This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the Media Buzz Meter with Howard Kurtz. Just in case you were missing George Santos, just on the outside possibility, let me tell you this. And of course, it was Santos' seat on Long Island, which the Democrats flipped in the person of Tom Swazi. And that's a takeaway, and it reduces the Republicans' margin in Congress at least uh, for a few months. <laughs> so, first of all, Santos goes on TV and predicts that the Republican candidate will win. That was minutes before <laughs> the Republican candidate lost, but this is the best part. Sends out a group text to the members, I guess mostly New York area Republicans, who had led the charge to get him expelled from Congress. And he talks about how they were peddling BS and they spent $10 million. And then he says, I look very forward to most of you losing due to your absolute hate-filled campaign to remove me from Congress arbitrarily. Now, go tell the Republican base what you effing idiots did and good luck raising money next quarter. Think he's a little ticked off? Just maybe? And by the way, dude, you're under criminal indictment. So maybe you're getting kicked out of Congress was not just some arbitrary thing. Maybe you are to blame for your problems. Oh, I don't know. Just saying. Just a, a wild theory. Meanwhile, Pop-Tarts. When I was growing up, Pop-Tarts, when Pop-Tarts came out, it was such a great thing, you know? Stick it in the toaster or the toaster oven, which was also an innovation. And have them for breakfast or a snack. Well, the Pop-Tarts guy has passed. His name is William Post. And he was 96 years old. Um, and he worked with Kellogg's in 1964 to develop the first Pop-Tarts. Um, and his own kids were among the taste testers. So today, you'll be happy to know, billions of Pop-Tarts are sold each year, Kellogg says. Uh, they've been showcased in museums, parodied on SNL. Uh, one fan is Jerry Seinfeld. And the uh, New York Times describes it as two thin layers of dry rectangular pastry with a sweet filling and frosting. It makes it sound like, ew. But they're great. And a, but another innovation, which was maybe a year or two later, frosted Pop-Tarts. That was a game changer. This is what we used to talk about because we didn't have phones and internet. <laughs> anyway, lot to get to today, so let's buckle down. Story number one. Story number one is a bizarre story. And it's, it's something I never thought I'd see. And it has to do with television went crazy over this yesterday. It has to do with a secret Russian weapon. Top secret, mysterious, scary. What's bizarre is the way this came out. Because 
if there's one thing that Congress is supposed to take more seriously than anything else, it's, it's anything having to do with classified information, national security. So Mike Turner, chairman of the House Intel Committee, Republican, kind of went public with this. He put up a post, put out a statement, and saying Congress needs to be able to review what he called a serious national security threat. Didn't say what it was. But that was sort of like ringing a giant bell and all of the uh, journalists who cover such things sprung into action, and then the leaks started. And now we have some picture of what it is. So, for example, Washington Post says that people familiar with the matter said the country in question is Russia, speaking anonymously. Then Turner and the top Democrat on the committee, Jim Hines, Jim Hines said uh, a letter to fellow House members saying the committee has identified an urgent matter, urgent, with uh, regard to a destabilizing foreign military capability that should be known by all congressional policymakers. Well, the only problem there is that every single member of Congress knows about this stuff. It's going to leak, and that's what happened yesterday. And they asked, you know, let's make this available in a secure room at the Capitol, What's also bizarre about it, and the White House was not happy, is that the National Security Advisor, Biden's National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, had a meeting scheduled today with top congressional leaders on intel matters to discuss this very threat. So it wasn't like the Biden administration was dragging its feet. It's just that uh, Turner decided, I want this out. Uh, here's uh, perhaps part of his motive. In the post story, it says that he's a strong proponent of uh, something called Section 702. Things in Washington get such lovely names, Section 702, from the people who brought you 401k. Uh, It's an electronic surveillance law. It's being debated in Congress. He's a big proponent of having surveillance authority for the government. And so... Jim Himes, the Democrat, said that what Turner brought up doesn't involve panicking now. (sighs) Well, that's a relief because I was getting ready to panic. Uh, It is a very serious national security issue in the medium to long term that Congress and the administration need to focus on, but no need to buy gold. (laughs) That's a funny line, actually. House Speaker Mike Johnson, I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We're going to work together to uh, address this matter. So, what is it? Lawmakers in the House and Senate have been in possession of the raw intelligence for several weeks. But Turner wants this all declassified. Well, here's the New York Times version. And by the way, this this was just almost nonstop on cable yesterday. I mean, it was just like you know, brandishing some bacon before a pack of hungry dogs. 
And they were doing their jobs. I don't mean to... I just was trying to be funny. Anyway. Oh, New York Times, a current and former U.S. official, said the new intelligence was related to Russia's attempts to develop a space-based anti-satellite nuclear weapon. ABC News said the intelligence had to do with that capability, but the nuclear weapon is not in orbit. In other words, it's not ready to be deployed. Now, is this something we should worry about? Yeah. Did we necessarily want to broadcast to the Russians, to Vladimir Putin, that we know about this? I would say not. I've really never seen anything like this. I mean, usually there's a meeting between top White House officials, regardless of party, and congressional leaders in which they discuss what to do about classified matters, how much they can say about it. But this, you know, in the social media age, you know, it's like, boom, everybody's uh, wondering about this. The Times says that Turner's decision to share the information uh, set Washington abuzz about what the intelligence was. The statement infuriated White House officials who feared the loss of important sources of information on Russia. This is something that the average person doesn't think about. It's not just a question of making this public. It's not just a question of uh, letting Russia know that we know what it's got. But the way that we get these things are through intelligence sources, often human sources, as opposed to surveillance or cyber what would you call it? Not cyber hacking, cyber surveillance, I guess. Um, and so it's not, officials said it was not a break the glass kind of warning of any imminent threat. And also, maybe Turner was trying to, according to officials cited by the Times, prod the House to take up the request for military aid to Ukraine, Ukraine and Israel, that the Senate passed this week. That faces an uncertain prospect in the House, which means Mike Johnson doesn't want to bring it up. Jake Sullivan, we scheduled a briefing for the House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow, meaning today. That's been on the book. So I'm a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals. So that's the weirdness of the secret Russian weapon, which is not in orbit, which is not fully developed, I guess, based on this reporting, but which does raise questions about our intelligence efforts being compromised. This is serious stuff, folks. And, you know, this reminds me of the debate over Ronald Reagan's Star Wars, it was a popular term, popularly termed, in the 1980s. Only this time, it's a question of what the Russians have, not the Soviets, and what Putin is trying to accomplish. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. Story two, and this is somewhat related to the sort of breakdown in relations between the White House and the Hill. Politico reporting that the White House has denied multiple requests from the new House Speaker to meet with President Biden over border security. Something tells me this story might have come from the Biden White House. Uh, Mike Johnson's team has issued those requests to the White House for a one-on-one meeting between the two leaders, who was granted anonymity to speak frankly about a sensitive situation. But Biden and White House officials have repeatedly said they believe the House should take up the Senate-passed National Security Supplemental, Washington jargon for money we didn't have in the original budget, instead of meeting and renegotiating a new package after months of bipartisan Senate talks on the border, ending in a bill that failed to even pass the upper chamber because Donald Trump made his opposition known and the Republicans decided to go along with their party leader. Johnson declared the legislation DOA, saying it didn't go far enough to tighten border security, although it was certainly good enough for Senator Jim Lankford, one of the most conservative Republicans in the upper chamber. And the Border Patrol Union endorsed it as well. Oh, I mean, they're being quite public about it. Here's Karine Jean-Pierre. What is there to negotiate? Really, truly, what is the one-on-one negotiation about when he's been presented with exactly what he's asked for? He's negotiating with himself. Now, Johnson says he'll continue to insist on a meeting with Biden. Um, If the Speaker of the House can't meet with the President of the United States, that's a problem, says Johnson. I don't know why they're uncomfortable having the President sit across the table from me, but I will go in good faith. Now, look, these two men, Biden and Johnson, spoke by phone um, in mid-January, met in person with other congressional leaders on January 17th. So it isn't like Biden refuses to talk to Mike Johnson. But here's White House spokesman Andrew Bates. Members of Speaker Johnson's own conference have stated that if these urgent national security priorities were put up for a clean vote, the legislation would pass the House with overwhelming bipartisan support, as it did in the Senate. Given that reality, and combined with the fact that congressional Republicans were just dealt a major defeat for siding with fentanyl traffickers, smugglers, Donald Trump, and their personal politics over the Border Patrol Union, it makes sense the Speaker would be feeling heat and grasping for an escape hatch. Well, think about this. Um, I, I know, it, you know, especially if you're not following it, it gets a little Byzantine. Washington can be a very Byzantine city. But you had the bill that was going to be the trade-off. The Republicans get tougher security measures at the border, including changes to parole, to asylum, uh, giving the president the power to shut down the border once illegal migrant crosses reach 5,000 a day. I think it should be 500 a day, in my personal opinion. 5,000 a day is a lot. You know, just multiply that time 30, which I can't quickly do in my head. Let's see, 5,000. So you'd add 50,000 times 3, 150,000. Check my math. 
Anyway. And then Trump blows it up. Mike Johnson blows it up. The Senate then says, okay, you don't want this deal? We're just going to pass the military aid. Passes the Senate with a filibuster-proof majority. And now Johnson won't allow a vote on it, but he wants to meet with Biden and bring up border again. You can see where it seems like a little bit of a a merry-go-round, and it seems to uh, White House and Democratic negotiators who try to make this deal that Johnson's the guy who essentially torpedoed it, and now he wants to bring up border measures again? I don't know. This is your government at work, folks. Britt Hume saying on Fox, think of what the Republicans are doing on the border issue. They said they wouldn't pass aid to Ukraine and other places unless there was action on the border. So the Senate produced a bill negotiated by one of its most conservative Republican members on the border, which had some defects in it, as compromise measures always do. But it was the strongest border protection bill that I've seen, says Britt, in my time in Washington. And the House simply announced it was not going to take it up, so it failed even in the Senate. Then comes this question of the measures for funding of Ukraine and elsewhere. It looks like that's going down in the House as well. So I think uh, there are a couple of issues that put Republicans in peril of looking like literally a do-nothing Congress. So even on Fox, many voices are not happy with the way the Republicans and their razor-thin majority are trying to govern or more precisely not govern. It's just like nothing gets through. No compromise is possible. Meanwhile, a little update for you on the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas. We should get a little uh, theme music for that, don't you think? So Chuck Schumer, who runs the Senate as majority leader, um, hasn't quite figured out how to do this, but he wants to do it quickly. So on February 28th, so that's a little less than two weeks from now, the House will formally deliver the impeachment charges to the Senate. So Schumer's trying to come up with a plan where there'd be a very quick trial that could be over in a couple of days. Now, ordinarily, if this was a more serious impeachment as opposed to a symbolic set of charges against a cabinet member, first sitting cabinet member ever, to be impeached. The one who was impeached 150 years ago had resigned before impeachment. You know, ordinarily you'd have a trial that would last for some time. But basically, Senate Democrats want to treat this as a a partisan exercise, and so they are hoping for a trial that lasts a couple days. Now, whether they get away with that or have to negotiate a longer trial, we shall see. Number three, Jack Smith filed a brief yesterday with the Supreme Court. This is all about the prosecution of Donald Trump, the January 6th case. And there are two big cases today involving the former president. One of them in New York, where he has gone, is the Stormy Daniels case. And the judge in that case rejected some kind of motion by the former president's lawyers to delay and has set a trial date for March 25th. 
Originally, the federal January 6th case was going to go first. That hit some delays because of litigation. So now the most partisan, least important of the four different criminal cases, Alvin Bragg's Stormy Daniels trial, which involves, you know, whether she was, how she was paid off to keep quiet and whether she's properly reimbursed, is going to be the first trial. I don't think that's great from the point of view of Trump's critics and Democrats, but he could be convicted. He could face prison time. But clearly, this is something that probably should have been a misdemeanor. In the other hearing today, in Georgia, I've just been been listening to it, uh, Fonnie Willis, and what's now clear is her uh, romantic relationship with the chief investigator for Donald Trump, who she hired, who she has a romantic relationship with, Nathan Wade, and he's on the stand being asked about when is the first time you met her and when did the romantic relationship begin, and he's now acknowledging it's 2022, even though she makes him the chief investigator in the Trump case later, but uh, he says that that was because they met in 2021 and his marriage was essentially over. I mean, he is dancing around and he's being asked, you know, did you stay overnight with her? Um, this is a friggin' mess. Whether it results in the Fulton County DA, Fannie Wallace, being kicked off the case, and I think the case would continue regardless, is hard to say. But what incredible blunder on her part. And to have to sit in that courtroom and listen to her boyfriend talk about the intimate details of his former marriage and when he was divorced or when he considered it over and when he started having a relationship with her. Um, I'm sure it's good for ratings, but not from their point of view. Anyway, Going back to the Supreme Court, remember that Trump appealed to the Supreme Court on the presidential immunity question? Jack Smith says, do this quickly. Trump wants it on hold. Delay in the resolution of these charges threatens to frustrate the public interest in a speedy and fair verdict. A compelling interest in every criminal case, says the uh, Smith filing, and one that has unique national importance here as it involves federal criminal charges against a former president for alleged criminal efforts to overturn the results of a presidential election, including through the use of official power. And that's the thing. If this case continues to be delayed, it won't be tried or resolved before the 2024 election, which Donald Trump, of course, would love. Nation has a compelling interest, says Smith, in the prompt resolution of this case. The charge crimes strike at the heart of our democracy. A president's alleged criminal scheme to overturn an election and thwart the peaceful transfer of power to his successor should be the last place to recognize a novel form of absolute immunity from federal criminal law. Um, I have my gut feeling about how the Supreme Court will rule on this. 
let's just say it's going to be a much tougher case for the for former President Trump than the one on him being kicked off the ballot, which we're awaiting a ruling on. And given the oral arguments I listened to and so many legal beagles listened to, I don't think there's any doubt which way the court's going to rule, but the question is how long will court take to rule? Meanwhile, turning to the special counsel investigation of Joe Biden, the one that obviously we've all been talking about and debating and arguing and chewing over the shots that counsel Robert Hur took at Biden's poor memory, alleged poor memory, I guess, um, no criminal charges were filed. Well, here is White House uh, spokesman Ian Sams. We did a very long briefing when that report came out. He's written a letter to the White House Correspondents Association. He doesn't like the way the media are covering this. So he says, look, it's a 400-page report. It's challenging, you know, blah, blah, blah. But he says that Hertz's wrong and inappropriate personal comments have distracted from the substance. What is he talking about? White House is frustrated that the press has portrayed Hertz's report as conclusively finding that Biden, quote, willfully mishandled classified material. I think that phrase was on like page one or page two. So certainly initially, a lot of people ran with that. And Ian Sams enclosed, uh, you know, uh, in the letter headlines from various news organizations, NBC and others, that he thinks are misleading. Because if you skip ahead to, you know, I don't know, page 177, I'm just making that up. Herb goes on to write, we conclude that the evidence does not establish Mr. Biden's guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, you can get into the nuances of not establishing guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, does that mean he's vindicated? Or does that mean he kind of sort of did some bad things, but we don't think we can get a conviction? There are obviously differences. I don't know if this letter is going to have any impact, but I did find it fascinating that the Biden White House, you know, which generally has been covered positively with some glaring exceptions and certainly all the questions swirling around the 81-year-old president now about his age, about his fitness for office, about a second term, have not been very pleasant, nor has the reporting on his abysmal poll numbers been pleasing to the White House at all. But they're especially ticked that, look, they, don't, they see the case as totally different from the classified documents investigation by a, a different prosecutor of Donald Trump, which resulted in his indictment. By the way, at a rally in South Carolina last night, Trump said Biden should be impeached for, quote, weaponizing the Justice Department. Now, Jack Smith and Attorney General Merrick Garland have said that Smith's charging decisions were made independently of the White House. But Trump said Congress ought to impeach crooked Joe Biden for attacking his political opponent by weaponizing the DOJ, the FBI, and even the local DAs and attorney generals, 
actually, it's attorneys general. I used to cover justice uh, against his political opponent. They ought to impeach him because that is the most undemocratic thing you can do that happens in certain countries, but never happened in our country. Well, that's the heart of the debate. And it's just interesting that Donald Trump, who went through two impeachments of his own, is openly calling now for his successor's impeachment, basically because he thinks Biden is driving this whole thing, which, of course, would be political suicide. If anybody ever came out and said Biden told his attorney general what to do or told Jack Smith what to do or even told Alvin Bragg what to do, I mean, he's a local elected official in Manhattan and the president, you know, are they Democrats? Yeah. Anyway, that's the latest from the former president. And he also said, for example, Biden at his uh, angry and train wreck of a press conference last week confused the leaders of Mexico and Egypt. And, you know, you could go through the list talking about leaders that he had conversations with, you know, prominent world leaders, except who had died years earlier. So Trump, the, the, the people uh, in the media and certainly Democrats often come back, well, look at Trump. He's 77. Look at the mistakes he's made. So at this rally, Trump says, it's very hard to be sarcastic when I interpose because I'm not a Nikki fan and I'm not a Pelosi fan. And when I purposely interpose names, they said he didn't know Pelosi from Nikki and Tricky, Nikki, Tricky, Dicky. I guess he was just riffing. He didn't know. I interpose and they make a big deal out of it. I said, no, no, I think they both stink and they have something in common. All right, well, I watched that. I've watched it more than once. And I know when Donald Trump's being sarcastic, you know, and he has other examples, like when he says Obama is, is the president, he's really trying to say that Obama behind the scenes is telling Biden what to do. I think there's something to that. But when he said Nikki, 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 I think he genuinely was confused in that moment for him to now say, did it on purpose? Uh, interesting explanation. Hey, let's pause right there. The buzz meter continues right after this. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. I, story number four is just tragic, sad, heartbreaking, and I can't bleeping believe it. You have a huge parade and celebration in Kansas City over the Chiefs, overtime, Super Bowl win over the 49ers, and violence breaks out. And there's still a lot we don't know. You know, this is not the first time there's been a Super Bowl celebration and there's been some form of violence, but this is just, just unbelievable. And it, it does, in a way, sort of mar what happened. Like, now it's going to be hard to talk about the Super Bowl without thinking of this. Gunfire broke out, one person is dead, and 21, at least 21 others, have been wounded. And this was a, you know, it was a nice day, and thousands and thousands of football fans turned out, a lot of kids turned out, and many of them were shot. 11 children were shot. 
from the ages of 6 to 15. It was uncertain who was responsible for the shooting, says the New York Times and in just about every other account I've read. This happened near uh, Union Station, former rail depot that is now a kind of a big shopping destination. Three people were detained by last night, according to police, but no charges announced. Officials weren't aware of the motive. Like, why would you do this? At first, I thought, well, you know, these are a couple of, like, gangbangers, and they were shooting at each other. And, unfortunately, innocent people got caught in the crossfire. But when 21 people are shot and many of them kids, it sounds like something far more sinister, nefarious, intentional. I don't know. I'm just saying it sounds like it. We don't have any arrests. I mean, we have people taken into custody. We don't have everybody charged. We don't know the motive. The shock of gun violence pierced an otherwise idyllic winter afternoon. People were ready to rejoice. Now, players on the Chiefs, you know, posted messages of support. Patrick Mahomes said he was praying for Kansas City. Travis Kelsey wrote that he was heartbroken, adding, Casey, you mean the world to me. Now, just as an aside, gun violence uh, had been falling in some parts of the country, but Kansas City, record number of homicides last year, 183 murders compared to 179 in 2020. That was a year of uh, urban violence, of course, as you undoubtedly recall. <sighs> All right, I got to pause here and make what, uh, what we in television call a turn, kind of a hard turn to a, a somewhat lighter aspect of, of the uh, Super Bowl. You all remember when Travis Kelsey, boyfriend of, got in the face of coach Andy Reid and started screaming at him? Well, on the podcast that he does with his brother, Jason Kelsey, who plays for the Philadelphia Eagles, it went like this. Travis Kelsey admitted, as the coach said, I got him with a cheap shot. People are all over this and I get it. And his brother, Jason, says... You crossed the line. I think we can both agree on that. Let's be honest. The yelling in his face, too, is over the top. I think there are better ways to handle this retrospectively. And Travis Kelsey said, acknowledged his mistake and said he uh, can't get that fired up to the point where he's bumping the coach and it's getting him off balance and stuff. But Coach Reed wants to, you know, put this all behind them. So he says, look, he caught me off balance. I wasn't watching. He was really coming over and saying, just put me in. I'll score. I'll score. So that's really what it was. I love that. It's not the first time. I appreciate him. Well, when your brother has to lecture you in an interview that you went too far, I think we can all agree you went too far. But look, nobody was hurt. And of course, from the Chiefs' point of view, they won the game. From the public's point of view, what happened yesterday was just unfathomable. Finally, I meant to get to this yesterday, story five, but sometimes I'm just too jammed up. So Peace and National Review talks about the ongoing investigation into not Mayorkas, but Joe Biden, and the possibility of a vote on impeachment. 
And it says, Joe Biden met with the chairman of the Chinese energy firm CEFC shortly after Hunter Biden's business associate, a guy named Rob Walker, received a $3 million payment from the firm as part of a joint venture they were trying to develop, according to a new transcript of Walker's closed-door testimony on the Hill. He testified a couple of weeks ago about Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings with this Chinese energy conglomerate and his own role. So this guy Walker says, or it's just a fact that he received about $3 million from this company. He recalled a meeting between Joe Biden and CEFC officials in the spring of 2017, around the time of the payment. But of course, that's when Joe Biden is no longer vice president. Here's the question. Did Joe Biden ever attend any location or meeting or place where CEFC officials were also there? Yes, said Walker. Said the meeting took place in Washington and Joe Biden stopped by for lunch. I don't know the exact, it was probably 20, it was probably 17 at some point. I don't know exactly when. Meeting took place in a private room at the Four Seasons Hotel. The chairman of this Chinese company were there with his associates. Uh, He didn't know, the guy Walker didn't know who the other associates were. He did recall the chairman and his translator, Hunter Biden, a business associate of the president's son, and Joe Biden attending the meeting. We were still discussing ways we could work together. I don't think we had structured a deal on how to work together at this point. Meeting went for about an hour and a half. Joe Biden was there for 10 minutes or so. He exchanged pleasantries and addressed a group of about 10 people. Now, this is sort of where we are on this whole thing. It's like the phone calls. Biden drops by, talks about the weather. Hi, nice to see you. Uh, How's the fishing? That kind of thing. Doesn't get into anything substantive. And yet, you know that, and Hunter Biden has admitted this, that, you know, the Biden last name is key for a guy who only recently had been vice president and maybe was then seen as a future presidential candidate, I don't know, to drop by and just show that Hunter has the clout with his dad, that he can persuade him to show up with a meeting with Hunter's own business associates and this Chinese company that later gives this guy Walker three million bucks, that's a, a, a display of clout. It's a show of influence. It's I'm an important guy because my father's an important guy. So is that an impeachable offense? No. Has anybody shown that Joe Biden himself got a dime out of any of this? No. But does it look bad? Does it look like the now president is, is, seems to be regularly available to his son to impress his potential clients and business associates? Yes. But it still stopped short, and I wanted to make that clear. We'll see where that one goes. Lots of impeachments going on. Okay, I appreciate you spending this time with me. I try to decipher or decode some of the more complicated stories or just tell you about them because, you know, you have a life. Who has time to follow all this stuff? 
The big ones you know about, secret Russian space lasers. And I don't mean to make light of it, but it's just an odd story all the way around. Hey, see you all tomorrow with more BuzzMeter. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts and via Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on Amazon Music. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.